Howdy who. Hi. It's us. It's us. But it's not just us. No. We also just did a crossover episode with Claire and Ashley from Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Which totally inspired me to get our book club started again, Corinne, because we as our friend group had one. And yeah, I feel like I could have talked about this book for so long because it was so interesting. Okay. So I guess context. It's a two-parter. We have part one on, or I guess it doesn't matter what order you listen to it, but if you want more context, I would start with Celebrity Memoir Book Club episode where we talk with Claire and Ashley all about the book, My Story, written supposedly by Marilyn Monroe. And then on our episode, which you're about to listen to, we dive into Marilyn Monroe ghost stories, which, oh my gosh, there are so many. The book is great. We believed she wrote it while we were reading it. And then Claire and Ashley, they did something to us. Here's the thing. They did they did a lot of things to us because both the episode, the book review or book club portion that's on their feed, and then the ghost story portion that you're about to hear, they kind of changed us. And for the first time in our lives, we became much more skeptical. And I don't know <laughs> what came over us, but we came into recording just having all of these ideas. And then they presented all of these things. And we're like, you know what? Maybe it is a little different. Maybe we do need to think about this thing differently, which is actually perfect for the topic of Marilyn Monroe because it's one of those things where we don't know what we don't know. And a lot of people have said things about her life, have projected their versions of her life onto her story. And I'm sure that's true of the ghost story portion as well. So we had a lot of opinions, a lot of flip-flopping between those opinions. (laughs) And I wish we could just do an eight-hour book review about We did stay true to ourselves, though, in the sense that while we perhaps had some skepticism regarding who wrote the book and also her ghost stories, we did very much stay true to ourselves in terms of conspiracy theories and feeding into those. Oh, full on. Yes. There's at the heart of it, we are we are Corinne and Sabrina still. I think the other thing is because Marilyn is such a big name, it makes us be more skeptical because, and we talk about this in the episode, in both episodes, Everyone wants a piece of her. So that's where our skepticism comes from. But it's still a fun conversation. It's super fun. Yeah. I also wish, I partially wish that we could just be like a permanent part of Celebrity Memoir Book Club because I had so much fun reading it and discussing it. So head on over there to check out the episode that we guest on. Mm -hmm. And then hello to any Celebrity Memoir Book Club listeners who are over here to hear Ashley and Claire theorize about ghost ghosts. stories and conspiracies over yeah. here with us at Two Girls, One Ghost. We do hope you enjoy. Let us know what you think. And let us know if you believe the conspiracy that her death was actually... Yeah, which side are you on? Yeah, let us know. Uh, we love you. Enjoy. Okay, Claire, you're going to have to recite everything about your honeymoon because... <laughs> so for my honeymoon, we are going to Vegas to be crazy and fun. And then we're going to this place called Miraval. And I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's supposed to be very like woo-woo and zen, but also grounded. It's in Tucson, Arizona. And it's like all inclusive. You're not supposed to use your phone, but they have on the property psychics. My friend went to see the psychic. She said it changed her life. Everything they said was spot on. Wow. And they like open your chakras and they have like classes about like intuitive eating. They have someone just telling me she went and they have like equine therapy. That's like... She said it changed her life. She went in thinking it would be goofy as hell. And she left sobbing. And she's like, it has changed every one of my relationships. 
And she's like, it's because you can bullshit a therapist, but you can't bullshit a horse. Yeah. Can we crash your honeymoon? I'm kind of joking, but also we just I am need dying to, to understand yeah. the equine therapy. I can't even picture what that is. I am anxious for the version of you that is going to come back. <laughs> what if I come back like very open-minded and suddenly I'm like, well, this author tried her best and we can no longer do our <laughs> podcast because I won't judge anybody. <laughs> what if I sue Miraval? What if I have to... <laughs> what if I, I sue a horse? What if I, what if I have to file a lawsuit against a horse for like irreparable damages? <laughs> This horse tanked my business. Oh my god! <laughs> he clopped all over her soul. Here's what I want to say. I have one thing to say to your listeners, though, is when I looked it up, it was so expensive, and I was like, I can't afford to go here. But the trick is, if you have a credit card that does World of Hyatt points, it's like a fourth of the price. And so I just oh, want to caveat that because no. it is psychotically expensive, but not if you do points. Point hacking. Points. We get points. So I just wanted to show that before people were like, um, this girl is going to like an insanely expensive resort. The and I'm like, yeah, I am. Therapy horse anyone's ever met. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're just teaching everyone how to hack the system and that's even better. Yeah. So. Yeah. When does this episode come out? It can't come out until I've booked it, but I'm 1100 points short right now. So I need to wait till my credit card <laughs> I think I is finished. <laughs> but I, if the room is gone, I will find, I will haunt your listeners. Specifically. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm so excited to talk Marilyn's ghost. Yeah. We just had an amazing conversation over yes. on your feed, Celebrity Memoir Book Club, about Marilyn's life. and Supposed about the- memoir, my story. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm not... You guys totally convinced me the other way. I don't think she wrote the book. Anymore. And I was... I like really did think she wrote it when I opened it. Yeah. I like genuinely believed yeah. it. And like for the first couple chapters, I was like, I'm so glad she got to tell her story. Can I yeah. say, you know why I went in suspicious out the gate is that we have a very engaged listener base. I was like, if she had a memoir that was like for sure a memoir, we'd be hearing about it every day. I'm like, Marilyn Monroe is one of the most consumed people in the world. And if she had a version of her own story, we'd be more aware of it, I think, culturally. That's so true. We get requests for like Snooki's cookbook. <laughs> and I've still never heard of Marilyn Monroe's memoir. Yeah. Would you ever do something like that? Well, we've done Leah Michelle's essentially cookbook. We've done her lifestyle book and we've done Giselle Bunchen's lifestyle book. But we we try to avoid them, but sometimes we need a break and it's easy to read just like 10 pages of recipes. I feel like that would be a fun like Patreon cook with us as we talk about like cook a recipe from her book and talk about it. Yeah, I think we intended to, and I think we might have even told our listeners we would be doing that. <laughs> so if you're one of our listeners, you're just now remembering that you got screwed out of content you were promised. Oops. It's coming. It's coming, it's coming. soon. It's coming. We have I mean, all this time with us. Yeah, every we, episode we come up with like 10, 10 business, business plans. Like, we promise we'll do it in the next month. You'll see. And I don't even remember what we they are. It. That's my problem with... We always say we'll watch documentaries for the Patreon and they're always about like abused kids and cults and stuff. And then when I'm like sitting down to watch TV, I'm just like, I can't. But what if I watched Clueless again? (laughs) Right. I know. With the... I mean, Sabrina and I encountered this a lot with our research of paranormal that a lot of the most haunted places involve such dark and traumatic history. And sometimes it is really hard. And we're like, let's just do ghost love stories or like um well okay let's just clarify corinne wants to do those things and i'm like no i want the scary stuff but it is sad i mean even with Marilyn's story we don't have ghost stories without death so there is Mm -hmm. already baked in a bit of tragedy and heartbreak and sadness um and that is especially true with Marilyn. and 
it's funny because when I went into reading the book, I was so set on it. It was her. She wrote it. But then when, the second I went into my research, I was like, this is all bogus and you know, skewed stories written by people who want some type of connection to Marilyn. So it's just funny that I allowed myself that perspective in the research, but not in the book until talking to you two. I do think, and I want to give people credit because even I had that problem. We all ended that episode being like, well, we all saw exactly what we wanted to see in this book that may or may not have even been her. That was somebody else's version of wanting to see themselves in her life. Mm -hmm. And I do think that that is like her gift. Like that's her X factor is like undeniably there is something about her that everyone can read themselves into it. Everybody wants to see themselves into it. And I don't think that's true of everybody. I don't look at every beautiful woman and say, I don't look at Lindsay Lohan and go, that's me too. I'm just like you. But there's something about Marilyn Monroe that you are like, be even if you intellectually don't want to be, you are like spiritually compelled to find yourself in her story. And I think like it just, we need to just give ourselves grace because it's impossible not to. Yeah, I mean, and that's empathy, I think too. And to some extent, when you hear someone's life story, you empathize. And the only way we know to empathize is by connecting it to like our own emotion and experience. So I think that's also, also partially human nature. Yeah. But it is it is bizarre though, that it's specifically with Marilyn. Yeah. Because I can't, I mean, I don't know. Can you brainstorm another person that you feel that way with? Like uh, another celebrity? Mary Shelley. <laughs> Mary Shelley. <laughs> Rip out the heart of your lover and keep it in a drawer for years. Yep. I had an English professor in college who used to say Frankenstein specifically, that book. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. My bad. Dracula. Take out whatever. <laughs> I read the book Dracula, but specifically they, she was always like, this book, much like what we were saying about Marilyn Monroe, is everything. Like there's nothing you couldn't compare this book to because it has so many different elements, parts and elements <laughs> that like any, you could make an argument that this book is anything you wanted to call. Yeah. Wow. It does make me wonder if... Marilyn, because the way that we read the book and a lot of the discussion we had over on your feed too was about her having a sense of self and whether she ever discovered that. And now it makes me really wonder if she was more of a headstrong person who knew exactly who she was. And we've all just written over her because she had that sort of X factor of we get to see ourselves in the reflection of her. And so we've erased who she is. There's a bit of that with Princess Diana too. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. That's another good one. That is a really good one. I One really interesting thing that we've noticed about Princess Diana is the memoirs that we've covered that were written before her passing. A couple of them have referenced her as like not always the nicest. Or like an oddball. Or an oddball. In real life. Yeah. There's, they've always been like a little bit more ambiguous and not necessarily glowingly positive. Whereas every reference of her after her death has been this like gleaming orb of energy. And it's really interesting that as soon as she passed, people are like, okay, and here's the people's princess that we need her to be and she will exist on forever. What's the, there's a quote and I'm totally going to butcher it, but like you either die a hero or you live long enough to be a villain, become a villain. I feel like there is this narrative for a lot of people who die young to immortalize them in a way and paint them as this like beautiful stunning perfect person when like no one is ever well i think specifically women we love a dead woman because we don't like women (laughs) culturally everything women do can be picked apart and the best thing they can do is just kind of like die young so we could have been like but they're promised but we loved them 
Because if they had stayed alive, we would have ripped them apart. <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to say about like, maybe she was this headstrong person who like did have a strong sense of identity. I actually think it could be hugely possible that creating this slate for people to like write themselves onto was like creative marketing on her part. Like I, I'm sure yeah. that there was a part of her that existed, like lonely wishing people knew who she was. Because I mean, that's the whole book that we just read is like the through line through her entire life is just like severe loneliness. But I wonder if the reason she existed as this version of herself to us is because that is what she like perfect. Like that's it's not what other people packaged her as. I wonder if that she said for me to be known for me to be a star like this is who the people are like receiving. I also wonder if it was conscious. I wonder if it was just like a learned skill from being in the foster yeah. system, being alone yeah. so much of her life. How do you get by? You'd be the most likable version of yourself. Adapt. Who do people like the most? They like themselves. Oh. I could just show up beautiful and like allow people to reflect back. And I think a lot of women have that experience of like men want to date, think they're in love. And you'll be like, I didn't say a word. You fell in love with this idea that I was listening you to. You know what's so beautiful about that is that her a lot of her hauntings are her showing up in mirrors. And I think it's so like, what a metaphor. Like she was a mirror for people. Wow. One thing that we didn't even mention in our episode where we were discussing the book is that she just got proposed to all the time by people that she had never even said one single word to. Like a man would just come up to her on the street and be like, I'll throw my life of crime away if you run away with me. I'm going to die in a week. Marry me and I'll give you all my money. Right. Which is so bizarre. But also, I want to go back to to us talking about the potential of her basically being a marketing genius, <laughs> which is that conversation that we just had. We could easily apply it to Taylor Swift. And I'm not a Swift. Yes. yes. But that is exactly what she does. And I have been roommates with and best friends with people who are diehard Swifties. And they every time she comes out with a new album, it's like her death of self. Like, oh my gosh, she's finally being who she truly is. And I'm like, no, this is... This was planned. Like, I don't think any of us actually know who Taylor's, Taylor Swift is. And I feel like Marilyn, if this is true, and maybe we're just projecting, again, something and ideas and actions onto her, but it's been done before. Man, I just have so much empathy for all of these people. Like, regardless, like, fame sucks. Like, I feel like so many people seek fame, but it sucks. Like, you it looks terrible. But yeah. I will say out of all the people that I feel sorry for, I do think it's Marilyn over Taylor Swift. She has billions of dollars and she's still alive yes well, not, well she's not 36 yet that's true she's got four okay. more years uh -oh. i will say i think the thing about these that these women have in common is they're able to tap into these almost like fairy tale like yeah. archetypes of women and i was almost joked that marilyn monroe is like hannah montana-esque in that she had this norma <laughs> jean side and then she stepped into marilyn monroe side and i think yeah. the reason that like hannah montana resonates with 12 year old girls is everyone has that fantasy I know I'm regular now, but what if I'm actually incredibly extraordinary? Yeah. And even the book we just read, she keeps getting told, you're not photogenic. You're not going to be a star. You're nobody. But she has this belief in herself and then she becomes the biggest star of all time. Yeah. And I think we all want to see ourselves in that because we know that we're not the biggest star of all time, unless you are listening, Taylor. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, wouldn't it be cool if secretly we could be? I mean, Amy Schumer has a joke that I actually love about how every woman thinks she's just like one perfect haircut away from being beautiful. Like, <laughs> Like you'll get bangs and then be like, wait, am I gorgeous? Like, and I do think that is, everyone has that balance of like, they're kind of insecure, but also kind of the most narcissistic person on earth. Yeah. And I think Marilyn, her story is like the human version of that fairy tale. Whereas Taylor is so good at being like, 
the victim story. And we're all like the victim of our, we're all like, everybody is wrong, but me. So we relate to that. And I think that's what makes these women so iconic is their ability to like line up with these pretty simple story structures. Yeah. I saw this poem. I feel like we need to transition to the ghost stories in a second, but yeah, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. It's it's just amazing because like there's so much we can talk about with her, right? Like I feel like this. It was such a good topic to have because yeah, we go forever. But I saw uh, there was a poem that was on TikTok, and I'm going to butcher it again, but like she talks about how like you know with depression and anxiety, it does feel like you're alone, and people are like, well, you're not the only one who experiences this. You're not actually alone, but then in reality, we are all alone because, and it is really lonely because no one will ever, this is depressing, sorry, ever live inside your brain. You are the only person in the world who will ever know yourself, which is really lonely. It's a very lonely thing to think. If it helps you feel less lonely though, you probably don't know yourself either. Well, that makes me feel even more lonely. Are you kidding? Nobody really, like the amount of memoirs we've read, we just read Shonda Rhimes. You go, well, that's the most successful woman in the world. And she's like at 46, I feel like I finally am starting to know know myself. She literally says at 43 years old, I did not know myself. We just read Jane Fonda who goes at 60 years old. I finally had this breakthrough about who I really am. Yeah, it's a continuous evolution. We're all like trying to figure it out and (laughs) just making it up as we go along. But to your point that you said earlier on your feed about dreams and it just like the the joke is that no dream is original everybody else has had it it's like we feel so alone and we're having all of those thoughts and no one will understand the exact way that you compile all of your experiences but everyone else has thought those same things at some point I mean, me and Ashley are comics and I kind of think that that is like the joy of being a comic is like you say something and everybody in the audience laughs and it means they're like, yeah, I get exactly what you mean. Yeah. And like, that's kind of like the feeling personally yeah. I'm always searching for that. Like, I love doing a bit when people are like, oh my God, you said exactly what I've always felt. I'm like, yeah. okay, nailed it. Yeah. yeah. And I also, I feel like there are all these common threads, but like no one experiences the world the exact way you do. And I think that like the optimistic way to look at it is to be like, well, then that means everyone I talk to like has a perspective that we can like explore and like enjoy from each other and but I think that one of the things you see from like haters on the internet is that they all think that if their experience isn't reflected back at them directly from someone that they like have related to in some way then that is like a negative thing and they're not being seen and then they like lose their mind at you right okay I really like that you two just brought or all three of you just brought me up (laughs) or tried at least um okay Marilyn's ghost so her death is this is like the most frustrating thing is that every single article I read had a completely different version. Though so basically when she died, it has like spiraled and people are like she didn't overdose, she was murdered. Um which is so interesting too, just to interrupt you yeah, for no, a second. No, it's fine. That we can have all of this conversation and for decades and decades, like nearing a century almost, we've all talked about Marilyn Monroe to try to understand who she was as a person in her life. And now we're doing the exact same thing about her death and about her spirit. Like nothing about her has any sort of certainty. None. Even, you know what I thought was interesting about the book that we didn't even get into, but I, we didn't even have time. Not even her birth. An interesting yes. device. And in, she kept saying, it wouldn't be until later that I found out what my dad's name was. And she even says, she's like, I thought about my, my real last name would be with if I had my dad's last name and they never say it. So even in her quote unquote memoir, 
it's like, who was her parents even? Like, we don't know how she was yeah. born. Right. We don't know who she was when she was alive. We don't know how she died. And we don't know where she's at now. <laughs> right. And so that's why it leaves room again for people to just insert their own opinions and thoughts. And okay, so her death is shrouded with conspiracy theories. And there are people who say it was a mafia hit that the CIA was like threatening JFK and the Kennedy family by killing her, that the craziest theory is that she knew too much about aliens. It is just like, <laughs> yes, like it, it is so absurd uh, just how many conspiracies there are. Well, and but- also with the alien thing, I almost initially, I don't believe it, but I also wouldn't be surprised if that came out to be true because based on her book and everything that we've learned is that she doesn't speak that much. She mostly listens and absorbs. And so it would make sense that she's just kind of looking like she's spacing out. And some guy who's trying to seduce her is like, let me tell you all about my work and all these aliens. And this is the point is that we can, and people on the internet have found ways to just back up these conspiracies. And as infuriating as it is, there are, I could talk myself into any of these theories. Can I say, I believe that she 100% did know about aliens. But I don't think that's why you would kill her because I think as a woman, especially in that era, especially with like a um, history of mental illness in her family, if she started flapping her gums about aliens, it'd be very easy to be like, that crazy bitch. Like, you don't need to. Hysterical. Hysterical. I will say, (laughs) I even think the FBI one for that reason, I do believe she knew too much. Like, I believe she just like knew people who were like trying to impress her and they were like, do you want me to tell you the nuke codes? Like, did they even have nukes then? I don't know. But. I do believe that like someone trying to woo her. Yeah, I bet you she had the ingredients too. I bet they I bet they were like, I can get you a nuke if you marry me. Yeah. Marilyn and- Monroe was like, I ran. <laughs> she was <laughs> like, I'm not a CVS. Like, stop talking to me. <laughs> and but I do also I feel like I bet you she was killed as a threat. That's how I, that one feels. Yeah. I I kind of agree. And so I'm just going to talk a little bit about her death and then we can get more into the conspiracy theories because I don't know if everyone knows this, but so mental illness ran in Marilyn's family, her mother, grandfather, and great grandmother, according to the book, my story, were all treated at Norwalk Mental Hospital. And on top of that, Marilyn went through a pretty traumatic childhood growing up in you know the foster care and orphanages and being married off at 16 years old and nearly, I don't know how many men attacked her or took advantage of her throughout her life. Yeah. She was assaulted at age nine. Yes. So depression, anxiety, suicidal ideations were not necessarily foreign to Marilyn. And also I think she talked openly about that. She was on medication. She, in her book, writes about you know the sentence of I'm the type of woman that is found dead in their bed with uh, the pill bottle next to them. So, or her lover dying and her throwing herself on the casket and being like, I wish I was dead too. Right. Like, you get to go without me. That's not fair. Right. So, but then all of that is also a perfect setup for a conspiracy and for a murder cover up. So, on August 5th, 1962, when Marilyn Monroe was found dead in her Brentwood home, with an empty pill bottle nearby, it was quickly accepted to be a probable suicide. Maybe it was. Maybe due to her fame, to her connections to higher up people and the desire people have for being connected to celebrities, specifically Marilyn, these 
conspiracies were built kind of to like continue her story and for people to have, Mm. you know, their name attached to her. But maybe it was actually a murder. So this is like a murder mystery dinner now that we all get to be a part of. And and this is just as like a for everyone who hears this portion of the episode, I am hardly scratching the surface. And I was getting so frustrated as I was doing the research because every single article, every documentary, every podcast I listened to had a different version of it. So it's like, who knows what actually happened? And there is no way to actually know what happened on the day of her death or the events leading up to it. But there are FBI files kept on Marilyn. And I think a lot of them have been released, but a lot of them are redacted. And the FBI keeps documents on anyone who's connected to politics, which makes sense. Happy birthday, Mr. President. You know, she... Oh, but uh, more than that, we didn't even get into the whole communism thing. Yes. So that's this sentence. There's one sentence in a document that was dated July 13th, 1962, less than a month before she died. And this is like kind of the only part of this one document, file number 105, that is not redacted. It says, Marilyn is actively being used by the Communist Party. It is not general knowledge among those working with the movement in Los Angeles. So whether she was actively participating in the Communist Party or the Communist Party was using her for their agenda, some she was connected to it. Yeah. Have you guys, do you know? Well, I just know that in her book, she talks about being interested in this book. And everybody says, don't mention that. You'll be put on the McCarthy list. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen the Americans. Yep. So I do feel like that maybe there was someone in her life that was like, ooh, one of those sleeper cells. Yeah. So that's possible. So, I mean, and like we were just saying, she had, she was connected to so many people. People told her a lot of information. I, you know, same thing with people wanting to have connections with her. They using her for their agenda totally makes sense. Also, can I say, she seems like the kind of person who, okay, I don't think she had many female friends, but the type who's in 32 women's bridal parties and none of those people are even being invited to her wedding. I believe somebody in the communist party might be like, listen, I got this Marilyn all locked up. She's, she'll do whatever I say. We're so close. And meanwhile, Marilyn's like, who, (laughs) who are you? Yeah. Yeah. And then another thing, what Corinne or you, uh, Ashley, you said, but like, um, apparently one of, if not both of the Kennedy brothers had mentioned stuff about nuclear matters with Marilyn. And it even in one of the documents, it says that she knew like that it was believed that the brothers shared information about nuclear stuff. And this was during a very tumultuous time politically, like between the US and the Soviet Union and, you know, who has what nuclear weapons and who's a threat. Oh my God. She was a double agent. Yes. Not even. She was just too hot. <laughs> like she literally like people, she was so hot. It was like a war crime. <laughs> she was like every character that Angelina Jolie has played in a movie. She was, she was the sexy bombshell on both sides. She was going to fucking nuke everybody. Right. What right. if she wasn't? I really do feel like she was just showing up to parties in a nice little dress. And people are like, what I'm about to tell you could get you killed. And she's like, well, then don't tell me. (laughs) You're the one who's getting nuked. I'm the one who's on her side in a bunker. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. This is not to go off on a tangent. I'll keep this really succinct. But there's another podcast that I loved listening to called A Wind of Change. And it basically 
looked at the conspiracy that perhaps U.S. government and intelligence agencies were using different bands and musicians and songs to basically infiltrate the Soviet Union and create an (laughs) uprising. And it basically wasn't proved that that was true, but there was a lot in that podcast that insinuated it could have happened. So it is interesting if whether Marilyn knew it or not, if she was being used in some sort of way. Now we're like, I'm like bought into the- We're putting our hats on. But but I mean, it makes sense, right? Like if I work in the government, it's like, okay, how do we- like, I feel like there's a creative team pitching ideas. What if we try to influence them with music? What if we try to use Marilyn Monroe as an agenda? Like, I, I mean, we do know that she was going overseas to sing sing songs to soldiers. Sexy songs too, right? She had to edit those lyrics. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is more proof. <laughs> I have a hard time talking about conspiracy theories because I will get convinced of literally anything. Okay. If any cult out there wants to get me, I just seven minutes of conversation and I'm sold. We're going to space, baby. There's an alien camp that I'd love to live at. Same. Honestly. Beam me up. Beam me up. Okay. So I'm going to start with, not start with, we're already in the middle of this, uh, with the timeline of the day before Marilyn's death. So it's 1961. Marilyn and President John F. Kennedy are having an affair. We know the happy birthday, Mr. President, like the infamous dress, all of that. But she's also in this like very strange love triangle with Bobby Kennedy as well. And it's like super unclear of what the dynamics really were, but there were versions where like when JFK wasn't giving her love, she went to Bobby and was like, I'm going to marry Bobby. And regardless of what it is, it was very messy. And she had both of these men in her life to some regard. And of course, her memoir stopped before we even got to that chapter of her life. So we don't get to hear. Yeah. I feel like it would have sounded so contrived because the rest of it was so contrived and they can't be like writing Vampire Diaries fanfic about (laughs) Marilyn Monroe. And the president. And the president. Who? (laughs) There is this one quote from an interview with Marilyn and I just thought it was interesting. She said, love is the one immortal thing about us. Without it, what can life mean? So she like, love was very prominent in her life in many regards. In our conversation earlier about the fact that she maybe she was like a marketing genius, I do believe that that is a quote. And I believe that I wonder, I bet you like she believed in love, but I wonder if she was like, they'll eat this shit up. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. Right. And it probably benefited her to never be solidly in a relationship to always kind of be one foot out the door or having many different lovers because it also gave, not that she intentionally did that, but it gave everyone the idea that perhaps there's a chance that they could be next. Yes. If she actually had the wherewithal to plan all of this and have the marketing genius that we're saying, then hats off to her. But it is hard for me to believe that like everything was just a manipulation. Especially given her her upbringing and childhood, it's very likely that it's not. Yeah. I don't think everything is a manipulation, but I do feel like at some point she like kind of had a strong understanding of like, all right, if I am like always here as this like beautiful sex pot who really just wants to find my one true love and everything is about like finding that that one true love. Like I do think that that is like a storyline that she was like this 
And whether or not she believed it fully or partially, I think she was like, this, they'll love it. Yeah. God, I think that she had like this bifurcation of her personality where she was able to pour all of herself into this Marilyn character. And that was part of who she really was. And I'm sure there was part of her that had this like childlike notion about what love could be and wanted yeah. to be a romantic and was so sexy and sweet and feminine. And then I think there was probably this other part of her that would go home and just be so lonely. Yeah. And obviously it was like, knows love isn't immortal. She was divorced multiple times. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think she was good at kind of leaning into one and the other. And when somebody's one dimensional like that, like when they have that kind of one dimensional persona that they're playing, it's easy to make them like a symbol of everything. Yeah. Anyway, as we're leading up to this point in her life, she is in a love triangle, at least that we know of or have heard. Um, and she also was going through a lot of like work stress. Apparently early 1962, she was prescribed medication for her anxiety. And in June, just two months before her death, she was suspended from her filming of Something's Gotta Give because she was missing too much work. Then that kind of sets the scene. Very barely, very briefly. But the day before her supposed su suicide is just even more convoluted. There are people who, after her death, came forward like, I was on the phone with her at 6 a.m. I was on the phone with her at 9 a.m. There are people who, like, came to her house, like the handyman, a car mechanic, a delivery man. Like, there's just so many people. Her hairdresser. There are just so many people who are like, I saw her that day. And Which she is like, how... Who has time? How many hours are in yeah. the day? And could all of those people actually cycle through? Yeah. And what was her agenda? I have a hard time doing one task per day. So the fact that she, someone who couldn't show up to work, had a full schedule of appointments. Right. Exactly. Suspicious. It's suspicious. There was one article I saw that it was like, starting at 6 a.m., she was on the phone. And I'm like, who's calling their friend at 6 a.m.? Like, I'm sorry. I'm sleeping. Don't call me. And then like... 6.30, she was on the phone with someone else. And it truly went like every 30 minutes, there was someone else who had some interaction with her. And it was just very, it's very, very messy. But I'm, I picked out like the things that did seem consistent through the stories. One of them being at 6 a.m. on August 4th, she phoned her friend, Jean Carmen. And according to Jean, that la the night before Marilyn had gotten or received like threatening phone calls from someone who said, leave Bobby alone and like called her a whore, called her names. So that already is suspicious. Then around 8 a.m., Marilyn's housekeeper, Eunice Murray, arrives along with Norman Jeffries, who's the handyman, and the two of them are getting to work as they do. And that's like typical of their day at Marilyn's house. Apparently, Matt Newcomb had spent the night and was still sleeping up in Marilyn's bedroom, and Marilyn was telling Eunice about this. Around noon, Pat Newcomb wakes up, and apparently the two of them had an argument, which people now in you know retrospect are like, oh, they were fighting about the Kennedys because apparently Pat Newcomb had like befriended a Kennedy, and like Marilyn didn't like it. Again, all in retrospect, no one actually knows the truth. And this timeline is also super tight just within the year because she'd spent basically like a year or so in that house that she died in and originally moved in with Joe DiMaggio when she was married to him. And so now she has a divorce, has this love triangle, is sleeping with this other guy and has 20 different appointments. In one day. In one day. 
And also, yeah, and then also it's really confusing because there's one report that was like Eunice, her housekeeper, got fired, but then that makes no sense at all because she stayed the night that night and is the person who technically found her body. Mm -hmm. It's so confusing. And then also Marilyn apparently received a mysterious box that day, and inside of it was a stuffed toy tiger, which made her super melancholy, and she went out and sat by her pool staring at this stuffed animal before finally getting up, leaving it on her chair. And so, of course, people have theorized, like, who sent her that? Was there a note with it? Like, was it a threat or did someone, did it remind her of something? Again, insert theory here because no one knows. Yes. So apparently then after that, a mechanic stopped by, a table was delivered. She spoke to the brothers, the Kennedy brothers, maybe Bobby, maybe JFK. Apparently they were supposed to meet up or they had met up that week. She told a friend that she was going to marry Bobby. She had a therapy session, and then she spoke to her ex-husband, Joe DiMaggio. And this, I think, is one fact that actually is true and did happen. Her and Joe, despite being divorced, remained really close friends. And Joe had called her that day to say that he had ended his engagement with the woman he was said or supposed to marry. And Marilyn was happy because she didn't like the woman. And then... After that, she called one of her prescribing doctors, Dr. Greenson, asking for a refill of a medication that another doctor had prescribed. And this got messy because she has two prescribing doctors who are giving her medications. And I think we've heard this, and it's like, you know, it's not a new story. A lot of celebrities, doctors, and people are just handing them pills Mm -hmm. and not really telling them what it does. And so the mix of medicines and the overdosing of things like Prince, you know, there's just so many stories that we've heard of celebrities overdosing. Because No offense to the 1960s, but I don't think like, I think the medicines were like, they were like, well, this will put you to sleep for a week. And they're like, and this will keep you up for a year. Yeah. Yes. I always think of what's her name. Um, I'm why, why am I blanking? Dorothy. What's her name? Yeah. Oh, Carrie Fisher's mom. Oh, I can't remember either. Judy Garland. Judy yes. Garland. Thank you. Like just like how many drugs they gave her to do and become what they wanted her to be. And then around 8 p.m., Peter Lawford said that he spoke to Marilyn and that she sounded weird, fuzzy, or drunk, but that wasn't unusual. Again, stated after the fact, after she died. And then Marilyn's friend said she had called him not too long after this call with Lawford and told him that Lawford and Kennedy had showed up to her house and threatened her. And then at 9.30 p.m., Marilyn's lawyer called to check in on Marilyn, but was told that she was already in bed. So the last supposed- Told by who? By Eunice, by her housekeeper. So the last supposed contact with her was around 8 p.m. But it's all alleged because we didn't have ring doorbells. No. And, (laughs) but there is belief. Okay, so this is another conspiracy. There is belief that the FBI or CIA had Marilyn's phone lines tapped. So there is a possibility that there are recordings of all her conversations. Oh, wow. That's a real pickle to be in because they simply can't release it. Then they would have to admit that they had her. Yeah. No, but the CIA was stalking Jane Fonda, and they would go to her house and they would open all of her mail. And they were like, they were getting illegal receipts from all of her banks. And this would have been 10, 15 years later. So 15 yeah. years later, the CIA was intercepting every single piece of mail and every single 
purchase Jane Fonda made and all of her bank information. So I don't feel like it's crazy to think that the FBI, their good friends, could have been tapping. Do they know each other? I think it might be contentious. They're like cousins from the other sides of the family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't admit it. And then also like with the nuclear war stuff and like the Kennedys, if they thought she knew stuff, they for sure would tap her phones. Right. And she's an easy target too, because she like who's more public than she is? It's so easy to gain access to Right. She knows her. everyone's secrets. Her hair is so big because what is it's full of secrets. And I will say most of what we know about Jane Fonda's CIA and FBI stalking, like yes, there were documents that were released when the like Freedom of Information Act existed, but most of what we know about like the severity of the hunting down came from Jane, not from FBI records. And so Marilyn was never able to like release the information, like release any information about the severity of her being tracked because that's not what's going to be in the official records. And also records that are released are so severely redacted, which Mm -hmm. is so like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like what could there be that you can't tell us about Marilyn Monroe? Right. The nukes, the nukes, the aliens, the aliens, (laughs) the communist aliens. Okay, so sadly, to get to the death part, (laughs) at around 3 a.m., Eunice Murray, her housekeeper, had woken up and saw a light on underneath Marilyn's bedroom door, so she got concerned. When she tried to open the door, it was locked. She knocked. She didn't hear anything, and she was concerned, which the fact that she was concerned is already suspicious because it's 3 a.m. If she didn't answer, she's sleeping. Right. Being suspicious is suspicious to me. She calls her doctor, Dr. Greenson, who she had called previously earlier in the day. And Dr. Greenson shows up and breaks down the door and finds Marilyn dead. But before calling the police, he calls her other doctor, Dr. Hyman Engelberg, who arrives around 3.50. So this is like 50 minutes after Eunice supposedly found her. Then this doctor declares Marilyn is dead. The police are not called until 4.25 a.m. Can I add one other suspicious moment? Yes. Why was there a door to be broken down in her own house? Like, why was her bedroom door sealed? You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess she had locked it from the inside. Yeah, but I I feel like that's very suspicious to lock your bedroom door in your own house. Do you guys lock your bedroom doors? No. If I had roommates, I would. But But I guess maybe can we think back to some of the traumas that she had with people breaking into her home and trying to get to her? Perhaps that was a learned behavior to make her feel a little bit safer. Yeah. But that also, like, there was no... I mean, I don't see photos of the crime scene. I don't know specifically. But I feel like there would be mention of, like, the door hinge broken or something like that. I wonder if this is part of the cover-up that the door was supposedly locked. And then, so the police arrive 4.30-ish. And this is where it even gets even more confusing because there are some stories that say she wasn't actually dead, but that the doctors wouldn't allow the police to like actually handle her body yet. And that the doctors kept claiming that she was dead and had had been dead. But then there's someone who said that when she was in the ambulance, she actually was still breathing and died on the way to the hospital. So there was a chance that they could have resuscitated her had they called immediately, which is why people think that she actually didn't overdose, but that she was given either like some type of injection or like forcefully taken, like given these pills. There's also, yes. Then there's also, she, when the police arrived, Eunice Murray, her housekeeper, had apparently like 
cleaned and changed the sheets, but then her body was left naked and she had the pill bottle like extended like close to one hand and like her phone reaching for the phone, like, or, I mean, her hand reaching for the phone with her other arm. It's like, it almost feels posed. And then why would you clean and then not touch her? You know, like there's just so many elements that are suspicious about it. Um, her case was actually reopened in 1982 because of all these discrepancies, but there was not enough evidence to, to like back up anything. Mm -hmm. So they, they closed it and said that it was still a suicide. Um, but that doesn't mean the theories have gone away. So theory one, the CIA killed her because she knew too much that the Kennedy brothers had shared too many secrets with her, which like we said at the beginning is very possible. And I believe it. She apparently threatened to call a press conference to reveal things to the public. So that backs up the CIA theory, but of course we don't have evidence of all of those things. There's also a belief that the CIA or the mafia tried to kill her to threaten the Kennedys. And we do know for a fact that Marilyn had connections to the mafia. I don't know to like what extent, but she had interacted with them. Some people believe the Soviets killed her, again, kind of as a threat to the Kennedys. My God. Um, basically, what like the the essence of this is that her connection to the Kennedys, in some regard, could have been the result and cause of her death. Does anybody think it might have been because of the brother, like a jealousy between the brothers? Possibly. But if you think of like both, both of those brothers were assassinated. So there is already so much conspiracy with the Kennedys that why wouldn't this woman who was in a love triangle between them also fall victim to that? Yeah, That's people murder around there. Lots of murder. It reminds me of that TikTok audio. I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, if you ever think, ladies and gen gentlemen, that your government wouldn't kill you, you're wrong. And then it's people just like overlay it with these stories basically of it happening. Yeah. Who was it? Was it Bobby Kennedy when his or was uh, I can't remember the specific one who one of them whoever was uh, whoever killed them when he was being taken to trial got killed like got murdered and taken out so it was like a cover up of a cover up oh my god jeez louise should we be concerned no i'm just <laughs> well, yeah she was murdered marilyn if you're out there we've confirmed it you were murdered you can move on yeah then there's a story, and again, this is another example of people like wanting to have connection to Marilyn, but there's one story of uh, a man in 1984 who picked up a hitchhiker in Nova Scotia who looked and sounded a whole lot, a lot like Marilyn Monroe and even claimed to be Marilyn Monroe and said that they faked her death in 1962 and sent her to a mental institution in Canada to like get away from Hollywood and get away from all the like get help basically oh okay well this this is interesting and this actually <laughs> makes me believe that perhaps if there's some truth to how many appointments she had and how many people came into her house that day that it was to get so many eyes on her so that people could say like no i was with marilyn i saw her i touched her i talked to her i was there like she definitely she was setting up her story she was setting up her story and to this is talked about a lot within the 
so basically her body after she died went there's like a 23 minute or or something period where her body's not accounted for and so a lot of people have talked about how she may have been assaulted well originally like the conversation oh, is, is like so disturbing she could be she could have been assaulted after death and that basically there's no record or, or we don't know exactly where she was. We just know that she was missing for this period of time. And so because of Ugh. the view of her and her being used just throughout her entire life as a sex symbol and actually being attacked by multiple people, it's been a big conversation where it's like, how disgusting is it that she went missing for this amount of time? And then also someone spent a absorbent amount of money buying a uh, like cemetery it's not a plot, but like one of those, what are they called? Where it's like you're put into like a marble wall, basically. But someone bought right below her. Mausoleum. Or no, he bought above her and he's facing down. So Ugh. in his afterlife, he can stare at her. So there's so all these gross. horrible things that happen to her posthumously as well. But I do wonder if in those 20 some minutes, my hope is that it wasn't something that happened to her body, but that she was escaping. And they replaced her I body with something this. else. I want to believe it. I will say my new thing that I have to believe is that she actually faked her own death and not that she was sent to like a facility in Canada because that shit freaks me out because I, we've heard enough stories about the way uh, mental institutions were run in that day and age. And I don't wish that she ended up there. But maybe she did just like move to Canada and maybe she lived in a town and had a nice little life and maybe a baby. Yeah. Because she had that factor, right? Where she could turn it off and people wouldn't recognize her. So perhaps she went back to being Norma Jean, her version of it. And also if you like, you know, eventually you gain the trust of a, a small community and they say it's for the best if we don't tell anyone Marilyn Monroe lives here. I hope that that's the truth. And I really, I'm so disturbed by what happened in those 23 minutes if she actually was dead. And now that you said that, like, I do remember reading things that people basically paid to have sex with her corpse. That is truly one of the most repulsive things that's ever existed. And it's so sad that I, that I believe that that would happen. Yeah. Okay. I know this is like not the point, but the turnaround on that kind of news and like that business has to be so fast. Like the idea that within three or four hours or something like the word like this was pre-internet that word of her death could have gotten out there and that already somebody could have concocted a plan and because you have to hope that like not everyone in the world is willing to pay for such a thing yeah not everyone but there are people <laughs> yeah there are people but like how within two hours do you find those people get the money hatch the plan figure yeah, it out yeah. logistically like the fact that that but can be put in motion so fast <laughs> it right. could be the same people responsible for killing right. her if people killed her like it was pre premeditated or there i think i also heard because i didn't i didn't know about the 23 minutes well, i don't know I if heard, it was 23 minutes but it was a chunk it was a chunk of time it yeah. was enough to be really disturbing but i i i had read it with it took place later like between her like her death and her burial Either way, it's disturbing and sad, and no one knows the truth. Her death was a tragedy, regardless of if it was an overdose or if it was murder. It's very, very sad, and we'll never know the truth. It lies, perhaps, in the walls of her Brentwood home, and also, so does her spirit. 
yes, we're on to our first haunting, but we can, if you guys have anything, anything else to talk about with the conspiracy <laughs> theory, I don't want to like it. Oh no. My theory is that she actually died six years ago of old age Oh, in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> with her garden and her big bathtub that she got oh. to fill up as many times as she pleased. Yeah. That's the dream for her. Okay. And now the hauntings, the people who spotted her. Okay, the hauntings. So she's been spotted in her former home in Brentwood, California, which is where she had passed away. The mansion was first built in 1938. It's a two-story home. It's four bed, four and a half bath. It has a pool. Her and Joe DiMaggio lived there before they got divorced. And in total, she lived there. It was like just over six months. It like basically wasn't oh. even a full year that she spent in this house. But she loved this house so much. And she was so passionate about returning the decor and the way that the space was used to it's basically like original architecture or like to honor the architecture of the home. So she went down multiple times to Mexico to just shop on the side of the road to go to different various factories and pick up Mexican couches and rugs and tapestries and all of the stuff that felt authentic to the design of the home. And this was really exciting. People remember like how excited she was in conversation. It's funny that we were saying that in the book, it was like, oh, at parties, she was just quiet and dull and said nothing because there's also all of these reports about how excited and bright and elated she was talking about this home and all the things she'd fill it with and all this decor and Anyway, she lived there for a very short period of time before she did pass away. Um, and then, are you guys on TikTok? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> then you're aware that Jasmine Chiswell, the influencer who... The one who impersonates her or doesn't impersonate her, just happens to look like her and talk like her and have the same haircut as her. So she bought her house. Oh my gosh. I don't know if you knew that, that all the videos you're watching of that influencer are actually in Marilyn Monroe's house. I hate this so much. Um, So this woman, Jasmine, and her husband, Maverick McNeely, they bought the house in 2019 after a bidding war. It went for $2.727 million. The house is primarily exactly the way that it was when Marilyn lived there. Like the, the floors are the same. The tile in the bathtub is the same. A lot of it's exactly the same. And Jasmine's actually, she's posted on TikTok too, of finding Marilyn Monroe's signature when they do work around the house. Like sometimes there'll be like an exposed beam that they'll just see like a little scribble on and it's Marilyn Monroe has supposedly written her signature. See, this is another person making money off of Marilyn. Like suspicious as fuck because I would be honest, I can't imagine like, I could see doing it once, like especially with like kids or something like carving your name in cement or something like that. But like just like writing your signature in several places on exposed beams around the house, like that doesn't seem like a thing that anyone would do. Yeah. And I don't know how many times, like I I watched one video that Jasmine had posted of it, but in articles and interviews I was watching about Marilyn Monroe's house, it made it sound like it was multiple times that there were a lot of, there was a lot of Marilyn still in the house. It sounds like a creative content maker trying to create more content. Well, it also sounds to me, first of all, like for sure. I mean, but like the fact that she would even buy the house is insane. And so I do feel like everyone who's bought that house is probably insane and like obsessed with Marilyn in some way. So it would make sense to me that like in selling the house to the next buyer, you'd be like, and it's still very haunted by Marilyn's presence. Her signature is everywhere. And like you just wrote it. You know what I mean? Like if I was trying to sell that house in for a higher value, I'd be like, 
you can still find her signature in the beans. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it is hard. Like Jasmine has gotten so much flack, obviously, because she bought this house. She repeats some of Marilyn's iconic poses, like dresses up like Marilyn, pretends to be well, she says she's not pretending to be Marilyn. She's just super inspired by it. And by presenting herself similar to the way that Marilyn presented herself when she was alive, that Jasmine's a lot of her like anxieties and a lot of the things in her life that made her feel not so good about herself have started to dissolve. And she's had a lot more confidence, which is something that we would hope Marilyn would appreciate. But also there's a lot of, it, it's just, it's always disturbing when someone yeah. finds their identity by basically becoming someone else becoming someone else and her husband also dresses up in the same style and looks an oh, awful man. lot like joe dimaggio when he does it's so hard i just i so badly want to be like we're all just trying to do our best but then sometimes the best is really just depressing and questionable yeah yeah that's crazy to be like oh my god impersonating the life of this like severely mentally ill woman who was used and abused by not only the people in her life but society has helped relieve me of my anxiety Yes. Yes. <laughs> Perfectly said. Um, so, of course, there's paranormal activity there that they attribute to Marilyn Monroe. So, Jasmine and Maverick and many of their friends have experienced things. And she said that they oftentimes, well, pretty much always, they try to debunk what they're experiencing. But so far, they haven't been able to. How lucky. <laughs> and don't worry, guys. We think it's crazy, but we brought in our scientists and this is absolutely true and on the Patreon for $5 a month. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So there's strange voices that they will hear and pretty much every night and every morning, early in the morning, they hear walking back and forth throughout the house, which now hearing your part about the conspiracy side where the maid was concerned that she didn't answer the door at 3 a.m. I do wonder maybe if there was some insomnia, if she was regularly pacing and had a mm -hmm. hard time sleeping, because that might make sense. But there's just these odd things that keep happening in the house. They will have doors that open and close on their own. They posted a video on TikTok of this one door kind of swaying on its own. But one of the things that really struck me about her spirit haunting her home was that it was said that a lot of people who've been in the home have this overwhelming sensation of being hugged warmly. And so it's insinuated that Marilyn is actually pretty happy with who's there. If that's true, that's nice. It is nice. And she did say in an interview shortly after buying her house, Marilyn, or Marilyn Monroe said shortly after buying her house back in the 60s, quote, anybody who likes my house, I'm sure I will get along with. So perhaps there is some sort of love in that part of her spirit. Listen, I very much believe in ghosts. So I don't want it to sound like I'm debunking the existence of ghosts. I will say, I think that if I were to buy someone's house out of like a fetishization for their existence, it would be very convenient to say, and she loves that we're here. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That's also like very self-grandiose and gratifying and look at me, Marilyn loves me. Yeah. I think that in the interviews I watched of Jasmine and just like going through TikTok comments, I think that they're very, the current owners are very aware of how disturbed many other people are. And I think there's a lot of, like, she's definitely timid kind of going into some of these conversations and doing these interviews. So I think perhaps there's some self-awareness being developed there that people aren't going to view what she and her husband are doing 
in the way that they feel they're doing it. But she does try to talk about Marilyn very respectfully. But outside of the home, there's a plaque with the Latin phrase, I'm going to butcher the hell out of this, but it's cursum perficio, which means my journey ends here. And I have no idea when that was added, but it is there, which makes it even more spooky. I feel like it has to be added after, after the fact. Right? I would think so. You don't buy a house that says my journey ends here. I guess maybe you do if you think it's like, this is my forever home. But still. Yeah. Spooky. I guess her journey didn't end if she's haunting though. Yeah. Right. She's not only just haunting her home. She's haunting so many places. There's on the Santa Monica Pier, it's called the Hippodrome. I may have butchered that, but it's basically the building where the carousel is and it still stands today. Have you guys been to Santa Monica? Yes. Oh, yeah. Ashley, you have? <laughs> Wait, Claire, have you been? Because you shook your head no and then said, I oh, said yeah. no, but I have been to Santa Monica, but I don't know that I've been to the Hippodrome. Okay. So it's like when you when you go down the pier, it's the first building on the left. Okay. You've definitely walked past it or at least laid your eyes on it. Yeah. But apparently Marilyn had spent some time there during a photo shoot on the beach. And after seeing it, she fell in love with it. And loved going there in disguise to sit and watch families enjoy themselves and kids riding the carousel. And there's a story of um, in like the 1960s where she was there so much and wore like a silk scarf over her head and sunglasses. And this man who didn't recognize her and was like an operator of the carousel walked up to her and was like, you're young. Why do you come here every day? Like, why do you sit here and watch? He said, this is his quote, like, why don't you go out and get a job? At which point Marilyn like pulled off her scarf and sunglasses and was like, I do have a job, silly. I'm Marilyn Monroe. And <laughs> like, what? Anyway, the legend says that if you visit the carousel late at night and watch the mirrors around the carousel, you might see a glimpse of Marilyn sitting on what was her favorite bench looking and watching the carousel. That's where I would want to see her. I feel like that's so her. Yeah. Because it's also like a nice public place where she gets to fantasize about what a different version of her life could be. Mm -hmm. She loves to like play games with the kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which I did find it quite sad in the memoir that she basically, the way I read it at least, was that she didn't want children because she didn't want the risk of any child ever having a life like she did Ugh. when she was a kid. Yeah. Which just made me so sad that she had all of these resources and fame and money and still thought that there could be a chance that her child could. I wonder though, because the memoir stops right, right as she's about to become famous. So I right. wonder if that yeah. reflects how she felt till the end or if that was like at that point in time, you know, I think right. that quote about not wanting to have a kid came from when she was 17 years old. Right. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> you forget how much life, or I forget sometimes how much life Marilyn lived before she was famous. Famous and like barely of legal age, right? Yeah. So much happened to her. Yeah. Okay. So the Hollywood Roosevelt is probably the most famous place that's talked about when Marilyn Monroe comes up and her spirit mm -hmm. comes up. The hotel first opened in 1927, just a year after Marilyn was born. It was named after Theodore Roosevelt. It's a 12-story hotel. It's built right on Hollywood Boulevard. So if anyone has ever gone to Hollywood, they've likely walked past it and seen it. Yeah, you've stayed there. 
Yeah, I stayed. Really? Yeah, for the one influencer event I ever went to in my life. <laughs> Did you experience any hauntings? No, but I was out and about. I'm on my phone a lot. <laughs> I text. It's the best way to not see a ghost, right? It's to just. I'm just like Marilyn. I'm making phone calls at 6 a.m. Oh, yeah. yeah. And at 8 p.m. And then at 5 p.m. Yep. Lots of people to talk to. Uh, okay, so in 1929, the Hollywood Roosevelt hosted the first ever Academy Awards, so the Oscars, which would then basically set the stage for this hotel for the next few decades, and I guess 90 years, because it's it's very famous, but it became super iconic. So movie premieres would happen there, different events would happen there. All the people who wanted to become famous or were famous would gather here. So it's very likely that some of the parties that Marilyn speaks about, where there's these young wannabes and these like... There's a place to be seen. It, it was absolutely a place to be seen. So people would get all dolled up and dressed up and hang out by the pool, the pool bar, like all of that. And so Marilyn spent a lot of time there too. She lived there for two years. She had a residency there oh. and she lived on the second floor cabana suite just above the Tropicana bar at the pool in room 229. The room still exists. They haven't made too many changes to the hotel. There was a period in the 80s where it, it rewent under some renovations because some owner bought the hotel and painted everything this like gaudy seafoam green and just <laughs> destroyed the whole hotel. And then in the 80s, they're like, well, we need to restore this a bit back to its former glory. So it a lot of what you see in room 229 does look like what it looked like when Marilyn was there. But also like what a great money-making scheme to say that and advertise that true to prospective clients or visitors. That's what's yeah. hard I think about the Marilyn ghost stories is there are so many reasons to lie. Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. very hard to trust any any of these stories, right? And I feel like M Marilyn or not Marilyn. There's so many times when Sabrina and I will hear a ghost story and our default is to believe it. But then sometimes there is some sort of, there's like certain things where you're like, huh, did that happen? I feel like we're leaving, we're all going to leave this episode with a lot of trust issues. <laughs> we definitely <laughs> are. Um, okay. Hollywood Roosevelt is where Marilyn's career, this was the beginning of her career sort of taking off as well, because in 1952, she booked her very first commercial and they filmed it at Hollywood Roosevelt. A lot of people thought it was for a suntan lotion, but I was reading that it was actually for like a toothpaste brand. Hmm. But she was in her swimsuit outfit on the diving board, and it was just very famous, and it helped launch her career even more. The diving board's no longer there, uh, but I read that if you go to the Hollywood Roosevelt, Claire, maybe you remember, when you were there, if you were out by the pool at all, did the wait staff wear sort of those retro like 50s and 60s style clothing because I heard that they dress in a version of what Marilyn wore for that toothpaste commercial, like currently. I can't recall, but wow. But like that, it would be crazy if that's what they're doing. Just like yeah. the amount of something that niche cashing in on because nobody yes. would know that off the top of their head unless you were like a right. Marilyn super fan. And I can't imagine they're servicing Mar exclusively Marilyn super fans. Right. It is. Yeah. It's so crazy that like she was probably there for what her commercial, I would assume was probably no more than like 10 hours of work. And now all but these years she lived there for two years. I mean, yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. So the hotel has 
had many guests over the past century, uh, but there's obviously some guests who never check out Marilyn Monroe (laughs) being one of them. So when she lived there, it was said that she really loved the hotel. They gave her this big sort of like grandiose mirror to have this like dressing mirror for her room. Um, And it would seem that she's been seen in that mirror. So remember when I said in the 80s, they had to redo that hotel again to kind of restore it and refurbish it? It was mid-December 1985, and it was an all-hands-on-deck kind of day. Everybody who was had a hand in working in this hotel and reopening it with all of the adjustments that they had were on site. And Suzanne Leonard was one of the employees. And Suzanne was dusting this mirror, which I believe at the time, I read that soon after Marilyn's death, they took the mirror from that room and they moved it into a manager's office to protect it and keep it safe because it became this big thing. Everyone wanted to go see the mirror, right? Wasn't it? Like it's been moved like all over the hotel. I think it's been in the lobby, in the office and yeah. It's all over the place. But I just imagine they have like six of them. None none of them are the original. They're just putting in different places. I feel like that's something you would lose track of. And then when someone's like, which mirror is it? You'd be like, uh, this one. That one. (laughs) I have no idea. The one in my own home that I stole from the hotel. One thing hotels are famous for is having a lot of the same things. Yeah. Yes. That's very true. Yeah. So you can imagine how many of those already existed before she even passed away. And if it passed through different owners, like, yeah, there's mm-hmm. very slim chance. Probably auctioned off years ago, and, and whatever's there is not authentic. But in 1985, Suzanne Leonard was dusting this mirror, and she saw a reflection of a blonde woman with a melancholy expression behind her. And she turned to ask this woman if she could help her because she didn't recognize her. And when she turned, there was no one there. And then in some of the reports I read, it said that Suzanne turned back to the mirror and then could see the woman there. And then when she turned back, it was kind of like she'd only see her in the mirror, but then Hmm. not in the actual room. It's like the opposite of vampires where like you can't see vampires in a mirror. In a mirror. But (laughs) what she is, Marilyn's gift is that she's the opposite of a vampire. She doesn't like suck from you. You suck from her. And she lives forever. Like her memory is living. Oh, I'm going to cry for Marilyn later. I also love, I just giggled to myself inside my head because I feel like usually we're like, so, oh my gosh, that mirror, we buy in like conspiracy, but I feel like your skepticism has rubbed off on us. (laughs) (laughs) Do we know where that mirror is? No, but I do believe that if you were to see Marilyn Monroe, you would see her in a mirror and it does check out to me that everybody's experience is mirror based. Yeah. Except for the the influencer who's who's getting hugged by her. Yeah. Yeah, that's like it's signature based. It's actually something I could put on eBay. How lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. True. So yeah, so she saw her in this mirror and so then it, there was like this buzz created about Marilyn's spirit potentially being there. Uh psychics have visited this hotel in search of making contact with Marilyn and a lot of people report feeling a buzzing energy around the pool. Um it is believed that both Marilyn and one of her co-stars, Montgomery Clift, who stayed in room 928 for several months when he was filming, uh, both haunt this hotel. So I kind of like the idea that they're probably haunting it a little bit together because I think they were friends. They filmed together. One of my favorite types of hauntings is a ghost party. A ghost party. 
So I'd love to think that at night that, you know, all the old celebrities are gathering in Hotel Roosevelt and yeah. throwing parties. Yeah, I like I like that the idea of the buzzing around the pool is that they're they're like all hanging out at the pool. And so there's yeah, a lot of buzz there. Right? Yeah. Buzz. They're at the, the Tropicana bar at the pool and they're all just having a couple of drinks and you've, you've the hottest place to be in the astral plane. We're still feeling those sex vibrations that she gives off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Here's another sort of conspiracy, but it's not. I'm sorry. Can you imagine walking by the pool just being like, oh, is someone so horny? <laughs> I Why am I suddenly so, so turned on? <laughs> I have the chills, but in like a very horny way. I'm so sorry. I need to excuse myself and relieve myself after being out in this pool. It's like the show Ghosts. Would one of the ghosts, when they walk through someone else, they get a little buzzed and get a little horny. I don't think I knew Get a little high, feel real good. Maybe Marilyn's spirit has has that effect. But here's another sort of, it's almost a conspiracy, but it's more of like a paranormal conspiracy, I think. So Montgomery Clift, uh, He starred in the movie The Misfits with Marilyn, and there was another co-star, Clark Gable. All three of them died within a few years of each other, and I believe that this was one of the last movies that the majority of them were in. So I feel like the fact that within like a five or six-year span, three the three main actors all died, it feels like it's a cursed movie. They were misfits. Yeah. (laughs) They were the misfits. I was waiting for skepticism from both of you. <laughs> no, 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 listen, I believe it. I have recently become very afraid of being final destinations. Oh, so I yeah. think that's yeah. occurred to me of recent. Anytime something suspicious happens, I recently tried to get ice cream with my friend. We went to two ice cream places and were rejected at both. And I was like, we can't get ice cream. How do you it's our final destination. From ice cream. I'm like, I don't know, but we can't get it or we'll die. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sign. I think that's, yeah, that's like an OCD anxious thought. Okay, so there's been plenty of other places that her spirit has been seen, but Sabrina and I want to move on to some of the more recent things that have happened in the past few years involving her and the depictions of her and the... the And it's like celebrities specifically. Yes. Who have been reaping the benefits or trying yeah. to like suck. Suck the, from her. Su- from her Ooh. energy from story. Her. Sarah, you said it so much better. And now we're just like butchering <laughs> your words. <laughs> we're over-sexualizing it, which is exactly damn what happened it. to her. Oh, damn it. Who are sweetly going to the nape of her neck and... <laughs> <laughs> Sucking life from her. I actually just watched Dr. Sleep. And I don't know if you've seen it, but mm-hmm. the whole idea is like they they suck the shine out of other people so they become more powerful. And they truly like hover over their lips and like suck their soul. Oh, like Harry Potter. Yeah, yes, yes. Death Eaters. Yeah. Did you guys watch the movie Blonde? No. No, I heard it's terrible. As a on purpose, I didn't watch it. Yeah. 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 Same. Okay. Well, now I'm going to tell you about it. (laughs) (laughs) Last year, this biopic that's loosely based, most mostly fictionalized about Marilyn Monroe was released. It received plenty of nominations, which is but it also received plenty of nominations from all of those different organizations that are like for shitty movies where they're like the worst screenwriting, like you know, the Razzies. The ra- yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but it's a psychological drama starring Ana Del Armas as Marilyn Monroe. Not only did they use Marilyn's likeness name and parts of her story, but they also filmed in actual homes where Marilyn Monroe had lived. So they filmed 
a Norma Jean scene with her mom um, in the house that Marilyn had lived with her mom for a period of time. They also filmed the death scene, her death. They literally, I don't know if you guys saw photos of this, but it's really disturbing. There's photos you can look at Google Images if you're curious, but people have put side-by-side images of the actual image taken by police from Marilyn Monroe's overdose in her bedroom next to the movie's depiction of her supposed overdose and suicide. And it is almost perfectly recreated, the pose, the what's on the bedside table. And it was filmed in Marilyn Monroe's house in Brentwood in the bedroom where she died. So they literally recreated her death exactly where she died. That's so fucking weird. And I hope they get haunted for that. It's so fucked up. They did get haunted, but they think it's a good thing. Again, a just good like thing? the influencer. Oh my God. These people who are like, anyway, this ghost showed up and shook my hand and gave me a ghost medal of honor. Like, no, they didn't. People Gosh. are believing what they want to, which is again, it's like the curse and the blessing of Marilyn Monroe, right? You see what you want to. <sighs> okay. So when they were filming this movie, apparently, and again, this is snippets from multiple interviews that Ana de Armas had, but I'm going to provide you with some quotes. She said, I truly believe that she was very close to us, meaning Marilyn Monroe. She sat with us. I think she was happy. She was all I thought about. She was all I dreamt about. She was all I could talk about. She was with us and it was beautiful. Or maybe because you were cast to play her, that's all you could talk about and think about. Uh, Someone was a little too zhuzhed up on all that fucking Dunkin' Donuts creamer that Ben Affleck... <laughs> Man, that's really gross. I I feel like... I mean, on one hand, I'm like, well, if you're going to make a movie about Marilyn Monroe, it's going to be a fictionalized version of true events because we don't know the true events. Like, everything's a fictionalized version of the true events. There is no real thing. But I also am like, wow, to exploit her death like that after the like level of exploitation that she received. I like, it's so crazy to be studying her life and like not realize that you are doing that. Like same with the influencer who lives in her house. It's so crazy to be obsessed with someone's life like that. And then like miss the point entirely. Absolutely. And this happened a lot. I mean, they, I didn't see the movie, but I was reading reviews that it was just really overly sexualized. There was a lot of sexual exploitation and it basically was, it thought it was going to be one thing, but it really just, basically showed women being used and abused. Like that was really what it was portraying and it was disturbing. But yeah, so basically they were hinting at some sort of connection between Marilyn and Anna and that they were super, they were basically hinting at almost like seance-like things happening on set and suggesting that Anna was possessed in some sort of way or actually channeled Marilyn's spirit. You know what I love to think? This is what I love to think. Okay. That Ana de Armas and people on the set are like, let's conjure Marilyn's spirit. And there's some ghost on the other side who's like, fuck yeah, I'm taking over. I'm going to come in. I'm going to possess these people yeah. and like make them do weird shit. Well, so Ana said too that she feels like Marilyn is still a part of her. So now any acting and any future roles you see outside of this film no. is part her, but part Marilyn too. You Okay, that's a gross thing to say. I really don't like that. Which, like, maybe they were trying to create a buzz about the movie. But I feel like it backfired so much because I'm just so disturbed by it. It And they also went to visit her grave multiple times. The whole, like, 
so many people on the movie set got this giant note, basically like a card, and all wrote messages to Marilyn and dropped it in front of her grave. And Anna returned to her grave multiple times, like felt drawn and called to go visit her. And it was all just um That's fine, at least. Like, you know, like leaving a note for her is one thing. To think that she's possessing you, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's just a lot of credit to give yourself. It's like... It's not even promoting the movie that's technically about her. It's like an interesting way of promoting all of your future films forever. How lucky for you. I, it's very like when those people on TikTok are like, I just saw my last life and it turns out I was a princess. And you're like, how lucky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah everyone was. percent of people are royalty. But royal. Like, yeah, the past past life life. royal. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. Only royals get reincarnated. I also don't understand how they thought that she was happy because they said that she would throw things off walls sometimes if she got mad about like something specific happening and they would try to kind of pivot i guess like their script or what they were doing based on her spirit's violent reactions and this is also disturbing so the writer and director andrew dominic he told anna to never express anger because anger is not in Marilyn's survival kit she had to find other ways to survive and anna said quote how do you navigate a normal life let alone being her and living in that world without being able to express anger or have boundaries which is, I feel like, something that was we basically saw in this memoir, whether it was written by Marilyn or not. But I think the whole thing mm. is, like, really disturbing. That's so funny. It's just so interesting that she's like, Marilyn doesn't get angry. Somebody's throwing the clock off the wall at our mm-hmm. heads. But that's... But it, that's not Marilyn. It's in a loving way. It's also very... This story, like, very conveniently makes Marilyn not only the lead actress in the film that she's possessing but like also her direction like she like directed the movie too by chucking things off the wall when she wanted the scene to go in a different direction like wow i can't believe that she just like made a whole fucking movie very impressive from beyond where was the clock throwing it and the enraged spirit when they were literally recreating her death like that is so disturbing also like isn't it a little bit conceited to be like marilyn monroe loves me so much that she's now possessed me yes yes it reminds me of um kardashian colloquium who is somebody that like does like media critiques of the kardashians is talking about how kim kardashian is currently trying to align herself with these icons and then she bought princess diana's like very excessive cross and she's like she is going through the female icons and trying to put herself in that narrative and i feel like anna de armas is doing it in a much cheaper way Yes, much cheaper. She's like profiting off of it, whereas Kim is like spending the money. This is actually a great transition because our last story is about Kim Kardashian. No way. Yes. So let me guess. She also got a warm hug from Marilyn. (laughs) In the form of a dress that she was being squeezed into. She got something from Marilyn and it wasn't a warm hug, but it's also so fucked up. So I think a lot of people know this story, but the, you know, the infamous dress that Marilyn Monroe wore when she sang happy birthday, Mr. President was after her death put into like her estate and protected. And then I believe this is weird. I don't know how this got into their possession, but it was apparently Ripley's believe it or not had possession of the dress. And in 2022 for the Met Gala, Kim Kardashian wanted to wear the dress. So the dress that was made specifically for Marilyn and it was supposed to be like a one of a kind one time wear basically. Yeah. And I think Marilyn, an Marilyn also said something about like this dress is never to be worn by anyone else. <gasps> I did not know she literally said that. I don't know. She I mean, said again, a ver- like, no, she said a version, a version of, of that, that where it was yeah. basically like 
this is my most iconic wear and this was for me and this feels representative of me and it is right. my Ooh. image. I did not know. So Kim being who she is and the influence that she has and the money that she has found a way to wear this dress to the Met Gala in 2022. And I won't go into the fucked upness of her disgusting weight loss routine that she had to do that she like glamorized, but it's effed up. And I like how I censored myself there, but said fuck multiple <laughs> times before that. Um, but anyway, she wears this dress and during a bunch of fittings for the gala and trying on the dress, the she was handed and gifted a Tiffany blue box. And it, there's a video of it and it kind of, I think it went viral, but she opens it. And there is a steel tin with, and this is so disturbing, a lock of Marilyn's hair. <gasps> I did not know this. She, she then squeals and says, oh my God, I'm literally going to do some crazy voodoo shit. That's so disrespectful on so many levels. <laughs> So many, right? People. So many questions. Who gave her the box? Let's trace that back. Wh and why? Why is that a gift? Who and cut off? I mean, I'm sure that's not the only lock, too, right? Oh. If someone was willing to part with that and was just like, oh, this will be a nice accessory for her wearing this. Yeah. Like, I do believe that the kind of person who would hold on to Marilyn Monroe's hair would also do whatever it takes to get near Kim Kardashian. Like, it yes, like that makes sense. Yeah. That, who is going above and beyond to be grotesquely near you make a great woman <laughs> that's true so the truth is like we're all uh, humans are vampires just uh sucking up beating we're parasites we're parasites um so she claims like you know she sees this hair and she's like i'm gonna do some voodoo shit because not only does she want to be aligned with all these female stars from the past she also wants to apparently have a haunting ghost experience which, according to her, how conveniently, it did happen. So you can't seek out a ghost experience. I mean, and if you do, I feel like the people who do bad things happen or they don't get what they wanted. They get something different. Whereas like for Kim to be like, I want to see Marilyn's spirit and then conveniently seeing Marilyn's spirit or experiencing something with her is just, yeah, I know you have a lot of money, Kim, but you can't buy ghosts. And she, so she said that one night she was like curling up on the couch to watch um, Some Like It Hot when all of a sudden the lights began to flicker. She thinks it's North. And so she's like, North, go to bed. But then all of a sudden, all of the lights go out. So she grabs her phone to use the flashlight because all of her walls are built so that they hide any electrical source so she cannot switch on the lights. So she's walking around with her phone with the tools with that. A very absurd, very absurd detail, detail to me. Also, how is North flickering the lights if there's no light switches? Great question. Great question. On her iPhone that she probably was gifted when she was three months old. <laughs> so she's walking around with this like iPhone flashlight and she's heading towards the kitchen to find candles when she's hit with the smell of what she describes as candles. <laughs> she was going to resort. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she goes into the kitchen and is struck with the 
smell of Chanel number no. five, which Marilyn famously wore. Um, also, can I back up for a second? Sure. One fact that a lot of people, it's kind of a conspiracy, but it's also kind of truth is like Kim Kardashian is kind of a prepper. So I don't understand how she didn't have a million backup generators. Like she basically has an entire ecosystem of the way that she, she basically has a bunker. Her that's what I'm saying is it doesn't make sense to me that we're going from flickering light switch to, oh no, we have to see by candlelight. Yeah. Right. Right. There's no chance in hell that her power has ever gone out. Yeah. That's what I'm like, I go to candlelight when there's been a hurricane and things are out for sure. Yeah. I don't go, oh, that light bulb is flickering. Let, let's start with candles. Immediately go, go to oh, candles. Maybe, maybe the light bulb's dying. But that yeah. would get in the way of the ghost story. So sorry, 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 Tim. <laughs> Obviously, it happened as she says. Anyway, as she walks into the kitchen, she smells Chanel number five and apparently steps on like jewelry and she looks and she's like oh my gosh this jewelry that's usually locked upstairs and like my bedroom is randomly on my kitchen floor and then she her phone starts ringing and it's an unknown number and she answers and she's like hello like this is i feel like she watched um scary movie and (laughs) he's like mimicking this but she's like hello and apparently she hears a little giggle and a woman's voice on the other end say, happy birthday, Miss Kardashian. Make a wish. It'll be your last. Well, that's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that, yeah, I'm enraged deeply. You know, in my at your house, turned out the lights and then called you on the phone. That's crazy. Yeah. Also, this kind of feels like a prank. Like I think yeah. someone <laughs> might have been pranking her, if anything. If, yeah. I don't know. So people have theorized that she's cursed because she wore the dress when Marilyn said never to wear the dress. Other people are saying that Kim is like making it up and, you know. I guess I do believe she could be cursed from wearing the dress, but I don't believe that's how the curse would manifest. Yeah. I Yeah. That seems too bizarre. It feels too like modern YouTube prank. It feels it's all a bit too convenient. It is. It is interesting. I was I was thinking about this as you were talking that Marilyn Monroe also could be a really powerful manifester because if we think about how much she went into her daydreams and she was just projecting and like thinking of her life and who she is and who she will be and she did kind of become all of that. And it's like Kim is trying to do an expedited version of that right now. Yeah. I don't know. It's just tough because, and I said this on your episode, but like, we just will never know. Yeah. yeah. And I guess and I, I guess wonder that, though, like, if someone killed her, they have to admit it eventually. I don't Not know. Not if they're dead. People love secrets. Not me. I'm dead. <laughs> That's why you <laughs> never killed anyone. In all of the celebrity memoirs that you've read, have you ever read any that involve celebrities having sex with ghosts? <laughs> no. Really? Janice Dickinson? Kesha has. But I don't think she has a... She doesn't have a memoir. Oh, I would love for her to write a memoir. Me too. Yeah, we've never heard that. I feel like it's coming for you and you will... (laughs) As soon as I will stop everything I'm doing and I'll get back in this Zoom call and I will wait till you show up. (laughs) Okay, perfect. And you'll feel my presence. You'll say, I've been called. Yeah. Yeah. You'll like astral project. Yeah, I'll manifest yeah. it. I'll manifest you guys to be like, someone did it. <laughs> I will say, in Casey Wilson's book, she has a really weird sexual experience where a guy is just like 
having sex with the bed essentially while she is like just in the room. And I maybe he was fucking a ghost and just didn't tell but, her. But like dick up. Like dick. he's lying on like, the bed. He was being rid by rid by a ghost. Wait. I have so many questions and oh, yeah. And, like what was the context? Why she was just like saying weird sexual experiences. Okay. Did the man acknowledge that she was watching? Yeah, they went back to the room to presumably have sex together, but instead of in- including her, he's just on the bed, like humping the air until he finishes. But there's no physical friction. I don't know. I've never had a penis. So I don't know. But me either. But what I wonder is, was there was a there ghost, a ghost? There? <laughs> Because that would actually answer a lot more questions. That does answer a lot more questions. I think that would make it actually like a less weird sexual experience if it turns out he was. If it was a ghost. I agree. It becomes less creepy having sex with a ghost than it does to just have sex with the air. Dry the air and have an observer. As the the woman who you were going to have sex with watches. Yeah. I think she was like on her way to him too. Like she wasn't like, she was going to meet him there, but he couldn't wait. But he couldn't. Ugh. God, I would. That's so scary. That's so. Sc- I don't know what I would do. I'd be like, this is a dangerous, unpredictable person. <laughs> do I run or do I just stand here and cheer? <laughs> like, as we said, less scary than if there had been a ghost present. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, thanks for chatting, Marilyn. Yeah, chatting, Marilyn. Thank you, guys, Thank you so much guys. for having us. I, I'm like so happy this episode happened. I think we're all now guilty of what we've blamed everybody of. Of course, everyone at some point. You die young or you live long enough to exploit Marilyn Monroe for your own content. And that's just the truth of it. I, too, I don't know, maybe make myself feel better. But I do feel like we didn't try to project, like, any of our stories as this is truth. We very much were like, we hope that she was able to tell her story. Or we hope that she has found peace and fully acknowledge that so many people have just sucked the life yeah. out of her though we did get pretty angry at other women after saying we need to support women <laughs> not all women there's some bad ones <laughs> and i think that that's what being a feminist is <laughs> there's totally. good ones and bad not ones and i know the difference so if you have any yeah. questions yeah. <laughs> well thank you so much this was so thank great you so much for fun. having us thank this you was so fun. yeah do you want to do our so we at the end of every episode we say we will and then whisper see you on the other side we will see you on the other side (laughs) (laughs) and then it also like you're trying to look at everyone else and then it makes it even slower (laughs) very smooth